Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa on this beautiful Wednesday evening. Dustin, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for asking. How are you? You bet. Uh, I'm doing good. I know you and I have both had similarly crazy work weeks, so uh, (laughs) excited to decompress here uh, and talk about everything. I mean, since we talked last, it it was amazing. Um, We kind of predicted it. The basketball transfer portal would blow up as the season started to end. Spring football started. I mean, there is a, a ton to get into. And uh, I've, I'm just looking forward to getting into it with you. So uh, I know I needed it after a long day at work, for sure. <laughs> no, I feel the same way. Yeah. Long work week. Uh, wife's birthday was yesterday. Shout out to her. She's not going to listen, but shout out to her. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of drags it out for the full week. <laughs> so been long days at work, long days after work. I'm, I normally drag it out for the full month. So I don't know why I'm talking, but well, uh, it's been it's been fun, though. I got to ask, how did you spend your first uh, weekend of NCAA March Madness? How'd that go for you? It, I had a good time. I watched some basketball, actually got, got some wrestling in. Shout out to our guy, Lee. That's right. And That's right. Friend of the pod. It was fun. It, it was fun. I, I love I love March Madness. You know, I mean, we, we're both big yeah, college I took, basketball I took fans. PTO for it. I took it yes. off. I took that off work. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good time. St. Patrick's Day mixed in there as well. So I had a lot oh, yeah. of fun. What about you? Ah, it was a good weekend for sure. I mean, I, by by Sunday night, I was I was ready to call it a, a weekend of, of basketball. But I mean, you got TCU and and uh, Arizona going down to the wire, and it's like eleven forty. I'm like, I'm ready to go to bed. I've been watching basketball for four days, and my eyes are taped open. So I was dying. I was dying to go to bed. But uh, no, it was fantastic. I mean, Thursday Thursday was one of those elite sports days. It's not often where St. Patrick's Day. And the first day of the NCAA tournament lineup like that, uh, that was pretty dope. And and uh, we got to go downtown and go to McNally's and Fassler and do all that fun stuff. Just my wife and I. So had a little date day. It was, it was a blast. Yeah, the uh, the St. Patty's Day scene in Midtown Oklahoma City was it's, it's normally pretty wild, but it was wild for a Thursday. Are you kidding me, dude? It was crazy on a Thursday <laughs> at 1130 a.m. I thought we were the degenerates of the crowd. It was not us. <laughs> we we went in and we we had a water and a, and a bratwurst first we were we were the responsible ones there so uh no that. yeah it was a blast it was a blast i i tweeted that uh on saint patrick's day like my first guinness it like my next guinness will be a year from saint patrick's day like that's the only day i drink it anybody that i know drinks it um but it's just something about it it's just something about it yeah, great St. Patrick's Day beer for sure. Well, well, let's get into it. I mean, let's start here. Spring football kicking off uh, in Stillwater this week. I know this is a uh, exciting time for both of us as you get to see the newcomers enter onto campus. You start seeing the pictures come out of of like an Ollie Gordon, for example, or Garrett Rangel uh, taking snaps. I mean, what 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 are you thinking about spring ball? How does it feel to have it here? I, I love it. 
this is, I know we always get way overhyped during the spring. Football's still a ways away for the fall, but I love spring football. It's, it's fun to just start, you know, making assumptions, making depth charts, which you and I yeah, started doing even a little too early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so they started practice yesterday. This is week one. So they'll practice, I believe they practice three times this week. Then they'll go and pro day is tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So they'll have week two next week, week three, week four, which also includes the Mike Gundy coaches clinic on April 15th. And then week five, which wraps up April 23rd with the spring game. It's also orange power weekend. There's also baseball that weekend. So that'll be a fun weekend in Stillwater, but that's kind of the layout, but, but Kate, there's some things, there are some interesting things we need to talk about. I can't wait. With I'm so excited. Football right now. And then I have a bunch of questions. I tried to send you early, maybe not early enough. I'm bad at that sometimes with Twitter questions or with the questions I have for you. So hopefully they don't catch you too off guard that we can run through. But some of the news and notes, Caden, correct me if I miss anything, but Oklahoma State without four offensive linemen heading into spring football, Hunter Woodard, Joe Maholsky, Preston Wilson, and Silas Barr all had scopes. I believe they were all shoulder scopes. So not serious, but they're all going to be out in the spring. So very thin on the offensive line. Brock Martin is out with a right, right leg injury. It's an injury from last season. They're just kind of fixing it now. He's in a cast, everything. Both the green twins are out with various industry, with various industry injuries. And then on the other side, Langston Anderson, Braden Johnson, both back from their injuries last season, looking good. Colin Clay, Trace Ford back in action, looking good. And then there was also a visitor offensive line 2024 recruit, Trayson Hunt from Bentonville, Arkansas. Those are kind of the highlights, Kate. Did I miss anything from spring football starting out? No, not that I can think of. The notable um, additions and subtractions, I think, is where you have to start. So you know what, like as we break this down, like that, that's the starting point. So no, I that that's what I have as well. So um excited to see. You know, it's it's interesting. Like you've got four players in the same position group getting the same injury checked out. It's a little weird, but anyway, it is. It, it just seems like that's maybe a typical. I mean, you watch. I don't know if you saw the OSU Max video that they put out. Just kind of, it was like a five minute preview of that first day of spring practice. But one of the offensive line drills, you know, they're hitting the dummy, going straight into it oh, with yeah. their shoulder. Oh yeah. Then, re- <laughs> then releasing to the linebacker at the end of the drill, but it just it can't me feel up great. See. The four shoulder injuries, and then you they show that drill, yeah. which I know is an offensive line technique. But it's well, you can't go in chest first with no arms. Like you, if you're gonna do that <laughs> drill, you're gonna have to use your shoulder. It's like four shoulder injuries. Then we'll show this video right after. Yeah, right. But, yeah, Kate. So let me get to these. If we don't have anything else, I want to get to these spring football questions that I have for you. And then we also got some on Twitter. We'll get to those later. I don't think any of mine are the same as that, but we can talk through them now and talk through them again later. So, Katie, you ready? Are you ready for these? They're not I, rapid I, fire. I, we can take our time. We can go slow. Oh, <laughs> that's how I like it. I'm ready to go. Let's start. We're going to start on offense. So, who do you have as QB two? We know Shane Illingworth left this offseason, transferred to Nevada. Spencer Sanders, starting quarterback. The videos that I've seen from spring practice look the same as they did last year at the right. practice I went to. Sanders just throwing dimes, <laughs> high velocity throws. I don't know how any of those guys catch the balls that he throws because I mean, Brandon Presley talked about it in his OSU Max film room. They're going a million miles an yeah. hour. But yeah, you've got Gunnar Gundy, 
Incoming freshman four-star Garrett Rangel, walk-on Peyton Thompson, possibly a transfer coming in. Who do you think will be QB2? I'll, I'll allow you to say a transfer coming in if you want, but obviously yeah, that's going to be someone coming in in the fall, so that may be tough. I was actually thinking, like, it's for me, it is between Gunner Gundy and transfer to be named later. Um, I, I would be surprised if Garrett Rangel took that spot over Gunnar Gundy. It wouldn't be shocking, but I would be surprised if that were the case. Um, I mean, again, Gundy, correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, he spent a year off yeah, like, gray shirt. Like, and then was on campus last year. So this is his second year in the program. It took a year off. So he, I would expect him to be a little bit more ready to go as the, as the number two quarterback, but um, they've, they've got to go get somebody. I think, I think still you have to, because are you really going to roll with that as your, as your backup option? You got through last year with a completely healthy Spencer Sanders, um, for the first time. So are you banking on that happening again? I get a little nervous about that. So I would say it's probably Gundy out of the list of existing quarterbacks, but I would bet that a transfer, if they were to go get one, which they should would take that spot. How does it feel to say Gunnar Gundy is going to be the backup quarterback? How do you I feel don't. with Spencer Sanders injury history? How do you feel about that going into the season? No, he's probably going to miss. Right. That's why I brought it up. A game. You know, you know how he's going to run the football. He's going to get banged up at some no, point. That's, that's why I brought it up. I don't feel great about it, uh, but you do love that it's a head coach's son. Um, that probably helps just in terms of, you know, he's been around the game. There's some development there that's probably going on just like, you know, under the radar. I would expect him to be in a decent position, but like, I mean, I think he's probably more Ethan Bullock than he is Shane Illingworth, you know, if I can kind of boil it down that way. So I don't feel great about it. And that's why I think if they were to bring in a transfer, that would be the clear number two, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. No, I think that's a great point. Just from what I've seen that, you know, I wrote about Gunnar Gundy for PFB when I was writing for them. I, I was able to watch three or four of his high school games. You know, I was, I got to go to that practice last year. He actually impressed me. He, he can play. I just don't think he's a guy that can come in and win you football games. Like right. we've seen Spencer Sanders do, you know, we took, we were putting over underlines on Spinner Sanders rushing yards last year saying, if he gets over this amount, we win the game. That's basically saying if Spencer Sanders performs well, OSU is going to win the game. Yeah. Right. And I don't think you get that with Gunnar Gundy, but I do think he's a serviceable backup. I, you know, we'll see when we get out there, he can run it a little bit. I don't, I don't remember him having a super powerful arm, but he can get, he can make some throws. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, we don't see any Spencer Sanders injuries. I think he has a huge year. But, yeah, Kate, I think those were all great points. Um, and let's stay on the offense for question number two. Who heads into the fall as running back one? And then adding on to that, if, the, if one of these two guys is not your answer, do you see Ali Gordon and C.J. Brown, both incoming freshmen, both early enrollees, getting significant carries at any point in the season? Man, it, it's got to be Ollie Gordon, right? I mean, unless he's just not ready to go, in which case I could see them going with like a Jaden Nixon or, or a transfer running back to be named later. Um, Do you think Dom, I, I was thinking Dom maybe would come out as the one. He, he could come out as he could come out as the one. Um, I just don't know how I feel about that, but 
I, I would think Dom could come out as the one on game one, almost like a Justice Hill type of situation where you had heard a lot of buzz about him in spring ball and fall ball. And then as the season progresses, I mean, it was like game four and Justice Hill was your starting running back. So I could see that happening where Dominic Richardson starts. But they are two, you know, they seem to be two very similar style of runners, uh, a Dominic Richardson and Ollie Gordon. So you wonder, like, you, you like to have a change of pace, of course. And so I wonder what they do in that event or if that matters. Um, maybe they just go to, you know, power, power downhill running backs. And that's your one and two. Maybe that's what they do. I think we see something similar to last year. I think we start in game one, Dom and Jaden are one and two. And then I think as the season progresses, somebody comes out of the mix. And I don't know if it's Jaden Nixon. I don't know if Ollie Gordon gets out there, kind of to your point. But if Ollie is who I've seen on film in college, if he can replicate even close to how he performed in high school, because the stuff that you watch on film with him in high school, he is the best player on the field every single game, dominating. Yep. If he's able to come in, and perform like that in college. And I think you've got to give him the football. And then CJ Brown, a four-star guy out of bags. Right. This guy, this guy could get some carries too. I just, I think it's going to be Dom and Jaden one and two to start the season. And maybe Jaden's one because he's been getting a lot of hype. I know he looked, he's been looking good at practice so far through the first two days, but I agree with you. I think Ollie Gordon gets carries this season and maybe significant carries. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I really, if you asked me like, who's the starter at the end of the season out of all of those running backs, I would tell you, I would say Ollie Gordon. It's just at the beginning. Yeah. What does it look like? They'll be feeling it out as they always are. So it, it could go anyway. I'm excited to see what they do. And they don't have a clear number one right now. You know, we're talking about this, but when you've got Dom, you've got Jaden, you've got Ollie Gordon, you got CJ Brown, you got Zach Middleton who who's returns kicks on special teams can do it all. Looked awesome in the spring game last year. They are right. stacked at that spot. So let's move to another skill position, wide receiver. Who yeah, steps in about this. to Tay Martin's role as the go-to guy? Oh, God. I think this is the hardest of the questions you asked on, on this list because there's so many answers. And, like, I could say, you know, are you – okay, let me ask It doesn't you. have to be Tay Martin. Let, let me let me rephrase – let me, uh, you know, just kind of be more specific here – what receiver becomes the go-to guy? That's what I was going to gonna outside ask. receiver. That's what I was going to ask because it changes my answer. It doesn't have I, to be the Z. It doesn't have to be the X. It can be an inside guy. I think the volume receiver is Brennan Presley in this offense. I think we saw that late in the year, that just connection between uh, Sanders and Presley was there. It's where he went on third down a lot. If it wasn't Tay Martin, it was Presley. I think there's just enough connection there that I think Presley probably ends the year with the most catches. Now, if you're asking me who steps into Tay Martin's role, like is Braden Johnson – uh, capable of playing that outside spot. Here's my problem. The roster, the wide receiver spot is loaded on the inside of like you talk about John Paul Richardson, talk about Brennan Presley. Now you factor in a Braden Johnson and, and then a Braylon Presley. Like what are they going to do? You, you saw Rashad Owens get Rashad some Owens. inside as well. I'm, I know I he's mean, more of an outside I'm, guy, but he's done there's it all. so many. I I'm forgetting them because they've got a problem there and they're going to have to figure out 
who in that group could potentially split out. It could be Rashad Owens, potentially. We saw it last year. And can Braden Johnson, is he, you know, fast enough and physical enough to play on that outside, on that outside position? That's a question I have. Um, I can't wait to see Taylor Shetron, though. <laughs> yes, he's He's looked awesome. I saw him uh, in some videos returning kicks in practice, so that's exciting. But to your Braden Johnson point, <laughs> I love that because Gundy literally said that Braden Johnson looks faster than he's ever looked, and he expects him to run a 4-4 when they time in the spring. <laughs> so maybe he is. Bang. But, you know, we've seen Braden at that outside spot, Cade, and to your question, I don't think that's his position, and maybe that changes this year. I would really, really, really love to see him play inside. But to your point, it's kind of a log jam there. The speed he has to be able to run slot fades, to be able to kind of break that skinny post up the middle and cover two, it's just – it's elite speed if yeah. he's fully recovered from the injury. But like you said, is he going to get – how many snaps is he going to get over Ben Presley, over John Paul Richardson? But I do think we see a lot, a lot of 10 and 11 personnel this year where there are three – four receivers on the field and maybe that cowboy back spot, which we're going to get to next is a Blaine green. So maybe it's four receivers a lot more. So maybe, I don't know, but my answer, I think I'm going to stick. We talked about this question before on another podcast. I think it was a listener question. I'm going to stick with Jaden Bray. I think Presley to your point, I, I may be wrong because I think Presley has a really good shot at being a volume, high volume guy. I think John Paul Richardson does too. Yeah, for sure. So maybe they end with the most receptions, but I'm going to go with Bray for touchdowns, yards, and maybe even competing for that receptions because whew, we've just seen these Oklahoma State offenses, they thrive on that comeback route, especially on third and long. That's where they're looking, and they're going to be looking to a guy that can win contested catches, that has the body to be able to get off the DB, and I think that's your Drayden Bray. And I think the back shoulder throws, the fade balls when you get close to the – when you're in the red zone – I think that guy's Bray this year. And if it's not him, I think we see a lot of Langston Anderson if he's able Ooh. to stay healthy. And that's kind of my bold prediction at wide receiver. I think Langston Anderson plays a big role this year. Yeah, I love that. Langston Anderson, a total under-the-radar candidate. I love the Jaden Bray answer. My, another person who loves the Jaden Bray answer, my brother. He is a huge Jaden Bray guy. He said he's the Shout president out to Cameron of the Cameron Yeah, he DM'd me today. He just sent me a short video, and he said Jaden Bray's going to have 1,000 yards on uh, next season. That's what he said. That's all he said. And, so. and you know, I'm sure people are going to get mad at me. We talked about Bryson Green. but Right. Right. Just another, just another solid player. Okay. So we talk, talked about Cal, or receiver and running back. Let's get to Cowboy back. Do you think – and I, this question kind of got answered after I'd written it down after we saw the roster come out that, to the media from spring practice. Does the Cowboy back position shift more to a Blaine Green, Tabry Shetron role? Or do we see more Braden Cassidy, Quentin Stewart? And just to kind of highlight the point I just made, the spring roster that was handed out to the media at practice yesterday now has Blaine Green listed as a Cowboy back when previously on the website roster, he was listed as wide receiver. Well, that, that's my answer. I think, I think they're going into that uh, Blaine green, Tabry Shetron. And I think you could see maybe one of those other guys try to become more of that pass catching uh, tight end, like large wide receiver type target. Um, we saw it work last year and it worked like to the point of like, 
63 points against TCU. Um, it worked against Notre Dame. Like I, I liked the way the offense flowed with that. I think Spencer Sanders appeared to be more comfortable with that type of personnel out there, that option. Uh, and we even saw it late in the big 12 title game where Blaine green was lined up in that spot and they kept leaking him out as a safety route. And on that last drive going down the field, I think Spencer hit it three times uh, to gain yardage. And I think they picked up a key third down with that too. So I am totally a believer that they're, they're going to head into that, like uh, a little bit more of an H back uh, versatile option out of that position. That's, that's what yeah. I think. No, I, I agree with that. I think it's going to go that way too. I think it's more of the Blaine green, Tabby stretch. And I, st- I think we still see the Cassidy, Quentin Stewart, but I don't think we see a lot of the 12 personnel sets with a Cassidy and a Quentin Stewart. Yeah, I don't there. see and, that. And the reason why we're, you know, we're keen on Quentin Stewart and not in Austin Gerrard, because we'll we'll talk about this more when we get to kind of the transfer portal part, but he just recently yeah. entered the transfer portal. So he was who Cade and I had pegged as the backup cowboy back. So he's no longer there. But Cade, I wanted to throw this out to you. Do you think there's any other current wide receivers on the roster who could shift to more of that Blaine Green role. And one guy specifically that I see on here is a Rashad Owens. We've talked about how there's a log jam at the inside receiver, how there's a lot of guys who could play outside as well. And you've got Talon Chetron coming in, Talon Chetron coming in. Rashad Owens is listed at 6'2", 215 pounds. Blaine Green is listed at 6'1", 220. Interesting. They don't Do you... look the same. Like, they don't look that way. But I no, I like Owens point. looks a lot slimmer. Yeah, think, he does. But but what do you think about that? C- could you see one of these if they're gonna go that way? Do they need really to? the only guy you have is a yeah. Tabry Shetron behind Blaine Green? Yeah. Yeah. That, do you do you really need three? Do you need three? Is is kind of where I'm at. You do have a log jam. Somebody in that interior wide receiver spot is going to get left behind. So maybe you have a almost like a Silas Barr conversation last year and say, Hey, I mean, you're going to need to move here. We need you here. Um, And you probably need to be here. Um, So we'll see. I like that though. I could see that happening. I would think if there is a candidate, he's probably it. Yeah. That's, I I was just trying to find basically the biggest wide receiver that got snaps. Well, that's what I, when you asked me that, I was like, okay, who's the biggest. They all are kind of like, 5'11", 6 foot, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, yeah. Like, that's the height of the Oklahoma <laughs> State wide receivers. Okay, let's move on to the offensive line before we switch to defense. So, we talked about the offensive line injuries. Two guys that aren't injured are JUCO transfer and his JUCO conference player of the year, not offensive lineman of the year, player of the year in his conference, Tyrone Weber, and Caleb Etienne, who came in last year from junior college. Etienne... Apparently looks great. They've shown some pictures of him. He's a monster human being. We'll see. You know, apparently there were some issues with him taking a full year off of football with COVID, of him getting kind of fully up to speed to be able to play last season. And then with Weber, it sounds like he may be a little bit undersized right now. Oh, interesting. Play tackle. So we'll see if he can get to that weight and that kind of strength that the, that Coach Dickey and Rob Glass need him to be at to be able to play starting tackle in D1, but it sounds like they've actually been using him a little bit inside as well. But do you think these guys can come in, start at tackle, or do you think we're going to have a Cole Birmingham at one of the spots? Do you think they're going to have to fill in with a transfer that's only there for the end of summer and the fall? What do you think Mm. that tackle spot looks like? 
Oh, it's such a good question. And I, I don't know if there's a great answer. I think Cole Birmingham is better served on the interior, right? I mean, like that, that's yeah. where he's natural. Um, that's where he's, he's played best at. I would think that if that's the case and you have an undersized, potentially undersized uh, offensive tackle in, in Tyrone Weber, like, are you better off with a guy playing out of position at tackle? Or are you better off with a guy playing out of position inside? So I don't know the answer to that. I would probably think that Tyrone Weber and Caleb Etienne are your starting tackles on day one. Um, and I think that right tackle position can be a little, you can get away with it a little bit more over there. Mm-hmm. So I think Caleb Etienne has to be your left tackle, which he didn't play last year. So you're, you're kind of banking on a lot there. It sounds like things are going well, but you don't know until the light turns on. So um, I, I wonder what you can facilitate on the right side. If it's, you know, a Cole Birmingham, Tyron Weber combo. I, I don't know. I could, I think Weber's going to start there though. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think it's Weber and Etienne at the tackles. You mentioned Cole Birmingham and Hunter Woodard at the guards and then Preston Wilson at center. I know right now with the injuries, I've heard that Jake Henry, Tulsa Union oh, guy, really? walk on, has been getting some reps at center because Wilson and Mahalski are both yeah. out. And then Eli Russ, uh, former, you know, pretty highly touted recruit, has had some injury issues. I know there's been some talk of him maybe, you know, stepping away from the game due to that, but he's been getting some run. Good for him. At center as well. So good for him. Those guys have been playing center. So it's it's good. And Gundy mentioned this in his media presser after the practice. It's good for these younger offensive linemen to get reps because it'll help them in the season that they've gotten reps in the one spots against the one defense to be able to step up if there are any injuries. So that, so that is good. But I, I agree with your answers as well. Yeah, Eli Russ is that's that's good to know that things are going well. I had him penciled into the uh, transfer portal team for sure. So yeah, yeah, that was kind of it, it was either transfer, maybe hang it up. But now he's decided to say and he's switched over from that's ca- great kind of that guard spot to the center. So. That's great. Uh, they need some help there. I mean, yes, I know they have Wilson, but like they, they probably need some help there. I agree. I know that was a spot we talked about in the transfer portal. Okay. Let's switch to defense. How big of a drop-off do we see in the defensive backfield from last year? You know, we're losing Colby Harville Pierre, Tanner McAllister, Trey Sterling, JBC, Christian Holmes. Really How do you like all Harper's returning. There's some guys returning guys that got snaps, uh, Jabbar Muhammad, Corey Black at corner, but what do you think the defense, how do you think they perform this year? How do, how do they not take a, a step back? I mean, and I'm not even dogging them. How do, just that group of exiting players, how do you not take a step back? It's the best defense in school history. Um, I think it'll be the best defense that we remember for a long time because like, they, they set a bar that I don't know you can attain every year, year in, year out. So I, I think they take a step back. I think they take a decent step back, too. I, I like Corey Black. I like Jabbar Muhammad. I like Thomas Harper. But, man, that's just – that's a lot of um, – that's a lot of missing experience. And so, like, if you asked me, like, like a 1 to 10, like – I don't know how good I feel about it. I would probably think if they were at a 10 last year, I would expect them to be at like a six to seven, like on a good day. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, kid. I think the floor is kind of a big drop off, you know, to go back to the question, but when you've got, you know, we've, so, you and I love Jabbar Muhammad. We love Corey. Yeah, Black. they're great Obviously, players. 
Jason Taylor, the playmaker, SPAC, Thomas Harper, and then Kate. I'm vi- who knows because you got a, a Kendall Daniels, five star recruit coming in that could get a lot of snaps. You got Sean Michael Flanagan, the special teams all star who's been in and out of the rotation at safety as well. You've got Kanai and Williams. You've got Dylan McKinney coming in, true freshman, DeMarco Jones, Jordan Regan, DeClavion Beeman, all these guys who we've heard about who've been in the system. Now you've got Derek Mason, who's a walk-around coach that specializes in the defensive backfield. You've got Duffy. You've got Hammer. Are these guys – were the guys that were playing last year just so good and these guys coming in behind them maybe are not as good but – really close or do we see a drop off to you know you say last year's a 10 into a six this year I'm just excited to see it I don't know if I have a good answer I think I'm where you're at but when I see number five Kenyon Daniels on the field for the first time starting a game which I think he will at some point next season I might faint hey here's the deal if they are an eight next year and a Kendall Daniels what is the superstar we think he could be that changes a lot uh, of my perception of this defensive backfield. I mean, Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad have been in the program. They, they could step in and be – and, I mean, they've been good. So, it's not like I think they will be bad. It's just like you've lost depth now. Like, you lost that that uh, that starting layer that you had, and now you're basically in last year's second straight. So, how do you feel about that? I don't – I don't feel great about it, but I can see a scenario in which it ends up being a, a positive spot on this football team. And I'll say this, if the, if the defensive backfield is, is not just average, but generally good to quite good, Oklahoma state is probably going to be back in Dallas. If that's the case, mm-hmm. that's how yeah. I feel. No, I love that. And great point with the depth. You've brought that up several times. It's a, it's a good point to hit on at cornerback. Okay, let's wrap it up with this question. I'm going to combine my last two into one. What do you think the front seven looks like with Joe Bob Clements and Greg, who's now at linebacker, linebacker coach Greg Richmond on the defensive line? You know, you're losing guys like Israel Antoine, but you've got guys coming back like Brock Martin, Brendan Evers, Tyler Lacey, Trace Ford, you know, Oliver. What do you think this front seven looks like? Again, you know, You've got two new guys coming in at linebacker, but the defensive line is looking pretty stout, losing Malcolm and Devin Harper. But well, mm. what what is what is your overall take? It kind of the same question with the defensive backfield. How big of a drop off, or is it even a drop off? No, I think it what, might what be better. Like I think they could be better this year. I mean, it, I, I say that a little tongue in cheek. You, they lost some up there, but I mean, sheesh, a a Colin Oliver. Trace Ford, Brock Martin combo, um, you know, is that's going to, that's going to win you football games right there. I worry about the linebacker spot. We, we, we think Mason Cobb's good. Probably believe that he is, is good enough to step into that role. Lamont Bishop, or not, I'm sorry, Lamont Bishop, help me out here. Um, Xavier Benson. Thank you. Xavier Benson. I said that knew that one, right? Lamont Bishop Uh, too, though. He, he is in that, in that kind of, um, I, I got to get all these transfers in my brain correctly. There's been so many of them, but Xavier Benson, Mason Cobb seems like it could be serviceable, um, but is, is serviceable going to be enough? I just, I have questions there too. Um, really the defensive line, like the front four, um, and then you can kind of put Brock Martin staggering between the two. Like, could we see more floating Brock Martin and Colin Oliver this year? Could they stand up more? That, that might be something we see. 
I think you're going to see some defensive line alignments where no one has a hand in the ground. I, I, I think, think I think you're probably right. I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see the two down look that Mason used at Auburn a lot and some of Vanderbilt. I think we're going to see three. He may even throw four down. He may play with 10 players sometimes. Who knows? He's <laughs> He seems pretty wild. But I, I liked everything you said there, Caden. I'm, he, I'm big on Mason Cobb. I'm big on Xavier Benson. He's got the Big 12 experience already. Played a lot at Texas Tech his freshman year. Yep. Was really good in junior college. But Gundy said something interesting after practice to the media he said that he thinks they're going to try and rotate four guys at the linebacker spots so oh, i think really? you see i think you see nick martin i think you see lamont bishop i think you see Cameron farrar in games a lot more you know he talked about that it was really hard to get malcolm off the field because he was in such good shape and such a good player he didn't need breaks but they probably should have rotated these other guys in more and he talked about devin harper Going back, you know, Devin got a lot of play. He'd had some injury issues in the past, but he talks about maybe we needed to play Devin more two years ago. He says he really thinks they need to rotate in line, the linebackers more often. Yeah, so that would well, be cool to see. Because Devin Harper, I mean, we knew he was going to be a really good number two linebacker. He would have started for every Big 12 team last year. So did, oh, yeah. we, did we think that that was going to be the case going into the year? I don't remember. I just don't think we knew. I don't think we knew that much. And so I could see a scenario where there's somebody on the roster. If he's saying that, if he's saying we need to rotate these guys, like I know he's thinking like with a long-term view, but surely he feels good about the short term if he's saying stuff like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And then on the defensive line, you hit it. Lacey, Sionia C, Tawahulamaka, Kobe so Walterscheid, Ford, Evers, these and I'm not even, I keep forgetting to even mention Colin Oliver. And yeah. He's maybe the most electric one, but, and then you've got Colin Clay, Aiden Kelly, who we haven't even got to see yet. There's just so much depth on the defensive line. I don't, even losing guys like Antoine, even losing these, these big time guys, I don't think the defensive line takes a step back. And you're right with Ford coming back with Colin Clay in the mix. They might Aiden be Kelly, They might be better. I, I seriously think they might. Yeah, I, I love it. This was fun. I can we come with a list of eight questions next week too? Because I this was good. Dustin, let me let, yeah. let me ask you one. If you could have one outcome of spring football going into fall ball, what would that be? Like knowing that this question mark is solved for on this roster, what would that be? You know, it's it's tough because my big question which I know is everyone's is the offensive line. And we're not going to get to see these guys. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just kind of seeing what all Derek Mason is going to do with this defense, how different it's going to be. You know, we've seen Gundy mention it in the presser pokes reports, mentioning it two, four, seven. We're not changing any of the terminology. We're not changing any of the base formation. This is Oklahoma state's defense now, but I want to see how much of that is really true but I don't know how much we're really going to get to see in the spring. Gundy talked about, you know, now he thinks this Oklahoma state team is disciplined and veteran enough to where they don't try a bunch of new things in the spring. They get ready for week one. Now they start getting ready for week one now. And hearing that makes me, I don't know how much variety we're going to see in the spring finale and how much clips we're going to see a practice of anything super interesting besides Hey, Talon Shetron just made a one-handed catch. 
oh, when Ollie Gordon carries the ball and flexes, his bicep almost pops it, stuff like that. And <laughs> I, I just don't really know how to answer that question, Kate. Even though I'm really excited, I don't think we're going to learn a lot. This that's a, that's okay. I, I understand. No big deal. I, what, what, would you, what would your answer be? My answer would be that there is a clear-cut number two, like that they don't need to go into the transfer portal. They feel good enough. At QB? At QB, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, literally, as you said that, realized I didn't uh, specify. But a, a clear-cut number two QB exiting the spring into the fall to where you don't feel like you have to go get a Drew Brown or somebody like that and, and get them comfortable within a month. I would. That's that's a glass-half-full type of look, but that's I think that has to happen. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I, there were a couple of funny things too. If you, if you get a chance to watch that OSU max video, which they should sponsor the pod because we shot them out <laughs> all the time. We really it's, do. Only, it's only a five minute clip, but there's some funny stuff in there. You know, we talk about how Derek Mason, I talked about that coaching clinic that I watched. He talks about the top down defensive approach from his defensive backs, you know, not letting anything get over the top. The five words he says in that video, two of them are top down. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> Um, I don't think this was in the video, but it was in one of the interviews. Tyler Lacey talked about how he misses Joe Bob being with the defensive line and they got to do a drill with the linebackers. And his first thought when they started the drill was, Hey, Joe Bob, like haven't seen you in a while. So that <laughs> kind of cool. stuff was funny, but, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I, I, I want to see more. I know you were not going to, I know we're going to see the talent Shetron fantastic catches, Braden Johnson catches Spencer Sanders throwing balls, Garrett Rangel throwing balls, but I want to see more about the defense. I hope we get to see more videos from the defensive side of the ball because that's really what I'm interested in and along with the quarterback battle. But I think that's Kate. I think that's it I have on spring football. That was kind of our big spring football preview since extravaganza started this is what week. people yeah. are calling it. So, yeah. no, I'm glad we did it. That was fun. Um, Dustin, some, some big stuff happened in my world last week. James Washington is a Dallas yes. Cowboy. Des Bryant called it. It happened. It <laughs> happened. Des has been talking about it for two years. He signs the uh, one-year deal. And, Kate, you know more about the Cowboys than me. I'm a Saints fan, but Amari Cooper's gone. I know I, hate, gone. I, know I hate him, but that's okay, yeah. <laughs> Cedric Wilson's gone. Amari Cooper's gone. James Washington, does he, does he play a role next year? Hey, we talked about this, sir. Last <laughs> week. We, I said they lost Cedric Wilson. James Washington's a perfect fit. And then bang, bang, bang. He's, he's going to slot in there. I think he's going to be a starter, um, which is wild. But I, I really do think that they have a, you know, Dallas has this like, you know, typically two to three man wide receiver system. And then Cedric Wilson was that fourth that would come mm -hmm. in. I think that's where James is. Um, and I thought maybe today as Tyree Kill got traded to the Dolphins, I thought maybe there was a chance that the Cowboys were going to make a run for him, but that door opened and shut like real fast. So, yeah, it sounded like that was Dolphins and Jets before we even I, heard about it. Yeah, I think it was done before we heard about it. So, um, no, the Cowboys still have a problem, but this isn't a Dallas Cowboys podcast. I'm just excited uh, that James is, is a Cowboy because he's going to be better served in, in Dallas. I, I, they spread the ball around so much that um, he's. this is going to be really good for his career. Yeah, and he's still pretty young. He's still in the prime. So if he performs well, you know, maybe they redo his deal, give him something longer. So that'll be cool. Uh, I was pumped to see it again. I'm not a big Cowboys fan, but I'm an Oklahoma State fan. So I'll be rooting for James Washington and, you know, my friends, you are yeah. Cowboys fans. So I'll, I'll, uh, th that's hel that helps as well. Kate, one thing I don't think we talked about before the pod, I wanted to mention real quick actually, two things. 
the Orange Power podcast with Jessica Mori, Tay Martin, Colby Harvell Peel, and Devin Harper were on there. And it, it was mostly just kind of funny stuff, talking about their workouts, yeah. uh, combine, working out for the pro day. But Tay actually dropped a little nugget, and so did Devin Harper. Tay has met with the Detroit Lions, and he is meeting with the Minnesota Vikings coming up. Oh, so that's wow. notable because these are guys that are probably not going to get drafted, but may get signed in free agency or may get drafted in the late round. So that's some good stuff to know. Devin Harper is meeting with your Dallas Cowboys. That's what I'm talking about. And the Indianapolis Colts. So interesting because normally when these guys meet with these teams, if it goes well and they don't get drafted, they at least get, they take a flyer on them and bring them out to to camp, to summer camp. So I would keep an eye on Tay in the Lions and the Vikings and Devin Harper with the Cowboys and the Colts. Man, Devin Harper at the Cowboys is a good fit. That's a good I, I like it too. I like it too. And then Malcolm Rodriguez says he's hearing he may be drafted in the third or fourth round. Oh, <laughs> but from who? His dad? No, I'm just kidding. I, just, I, I, I know I, you and I had him as like a five, six round guy. Yeah. So not way off, but I, I think the likelihood of him maybe not getting drafted is higher than him going in the third. But I would love to be wrong because I think Malcolm is amazing. I'm just, we've talked about it on here and we'll talk about it more when we do our draft preview. I'm worried about what NFL teams see, like where they see his fit on the field. Yeah. And I, I, I realized that probably was a, a, a little bit of a harsh joke. I just don't see third or fourth round, but maybe people are watching the film. And they're like, this guy can play football because he can. He's one of the best linebackers in the country last year. You just, the measurables are so important in the NFL that like, I'm just curious. And he to performed see. great at the combine right so we'll see what happens i'm i'm not sure that third or fourth round is going to happen but maybe it does so if it does i would love to look dumb that's because <laughs> that would be awesome it would be I'm fantastic with like fifth round for my yeah. prediction fifth I, I i think you're right i think you are and then Cade pro day is tomorrow this was my second note you've got israel antine antwine danny godlevsky colby harville peel christian holmes malcolm rodriguez tay martin Josh Sills, Trey Sterling, and Jalen Warren all participating. There may be another former Oklahoma State player that transferred or something like that that comes, but those guys will all be there. They'll be doing the 40, the bench press. They'll go in and do the cone drill, stuff like that. So I'm sure we'll see some stuff on Twitter, but keep an eye out for that. I know these guys are looking to run and perform better than they did at the Combine, the three guys that were there. And I know the other guys, especially the guys that have had some injuries like Sills and Danny G., are looking to come out and show what they can do. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm excited. Pro day is always fun. So I'll be curious to see uh, what scouts show up. That's always a fun game. What, what teams are there? Um, <laughs> I feel like Steelers are going to be around looking at Devin Harper and Malcolm Rodriguez. So uh, no, it's, it's exciting and a good chance for some of these guys that maybe are even flying a little bit more under the radar uh, to get a look. Yeah, no, I love it. Kay, did you want to, get to your transfer puddle and the football. <laughs> you know, I quick. do the football <laughs> transfer portal is still a puddle, but the basketball <laughs> one that we're going to get to, I mean, that, that portal is spinning baby. So, so Kate, let's just do, we'll get through recruiting quick. There, there's some notable stuff, but we can hit on this more on a pod where we have a little bit less news and don't have the spring football preview. Just wanted to touch on some guys that have OSU in their top schools. So on two, four, seven, we've seen Kobe black, Corey black's little brother say that OSU, Baylor, and Notre Dame are probably in his top right now. Oof. He hasn't released an official list, but those That's are his pretty top. Good. You've got, we talked about Brock Glenn, 
having OSU near the top of his list, even though he's taken an unofficial to Florida State. But the other 2023 quarterback that OSU recently offered, Zane Flores from Nebraska, says he hears from OSU and K-State the most, and he's visiting OSU on April 15th. And then we mentioned him last week, Terrence Green. He's an offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Oklahoma State's recruiting him on the offensive side, but at the Under Armour Dallas camp that we talked about last week, he actually performed as a defensive lineman and won defensive lineman MVP. So that just shows you how athletic and just how much of a freak this guy is. But he says he talks to Coach Dickey and Coach Gundy almost every week and that he's in there with USC, Oregon, Florida, and Miami is probably some of his top schools. And he's going to visit April 22nd or 23rd in Stillwater. So those were some notable recruiting notes from this weekend. That's fantastic. Thank you for that rundown. Um, that That's a pretty sweet offer list for Kobe Black, or at least sweet top three, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Notre Dame. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I, it'd be great to form a pipeline from that. Uh, is it is it Conley High School in Waco? I think that's right. From? Yeah. Is that, I have the roster pulled up. But, yeah, it'd be great to start getting even more guys. You know, I believe Trent Pullen was from there who transferred out. But – yeah, Connolly. Yeah, Connolly. Yeah. yeah. So if they could, if they could get some Kobe, some more guys from that school, that would be awesome. And then in the port, just a few quick notes. It sounds like there should be some offensive linemen visiting soon. I haven't been able to confirm who those are. Um, you know, there was the high school guy that's at practice right now, but it sounds like some guys may be coming in. I know that Prince Pines, the Sam Houston offensive lineman, is starting to set up some of his visits. OSU offered him he could be in the mix but we'll probably have some more news on that the next time we podcast but Owen Condon we talked about him Georgia transfer he's a former Bishop McGinnis uh, an Oklahoma City guy it sounds like Oklahoma State is not interested right now I know there was some hype that they may be interested in him on in him on him make it in but Right now, it's not looking like they are from what I've heard. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then, Cade, the big news, which you actually texted me about, (laughs) JT Daniels, former USC and Georgia quarterback, I believe it was an Oregon State writer or their 247 that announced that he is interested in Oklahoma State along with Colorado, Missouri, West Virginia, and Oregon State. Well, I have to I have to give credit to to my friend Joel Pinfield who sounded the alarm here. He was apparently watching the <laughs> what up, co- Joel? Yeah, the Cover Three Pod, their live stream. Um, because when he texted me and I went to go watch what he was telling me about, they were still live. So Joel was he had his ear to the ground on this one, um, which. I still haven't gotten a whole lot of, uh, you know, feedback on if this is a, a, a thing or not. Uh, I don't know if you've heard anything, but it seems pretty cool that JT Daniels would be considering Oklahoma State in any regard. It was just strange that they that Oklahoma State was included in that list because I think it was like Oklahoma or Oregon State, Colorado. Uh, there was another one. I apologize. Missouri. Missouri and West Oklahoma, Virginia. I West Virginia and Oklahoma State. That's exactly it. Um it would be a good fit. I mean, a really good fit. He's going to have years of eligibility left. Yeah. Um, two years left. Yeah. So I would think it would be a good fit. And of those five, like which one are you picking Dustin? I mean, <laughs> that's what the guys, I went back and watched the cover three podcast. That's what 
as Danny Cannell and those guys on there, that's what they said that they would choose Oklahoma. Yeah, State if they were I think him. that's a no-brainer to me. Just I mean, from a, from a pure development standpoint, with you know guys that have been under Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn, and now Tim Rattay there as QB coach, Mike Yershich in the past, but JT Daniels had you know he's had some injury issues. He hasn't played more than five games in the season since that freshman year at USC when he played in eleven, but. Two years of eligibility left. If he wants to come in, learn the offense, sit behind Spencer Sanders next year, and then if Spencer decides to forego his final year and JT wants to step in and play that last year at Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma State I'd be fine with that. I, I know he's been a little underwhelming, big-time recruit, but I don't. I, it sounds like Oregon State and Missouri are the frontrunners right now, but it's definitely what you said. Interesting that he was included. I think Oregon State might be a little bit of an under-the-radar program right now. It seems like they're that new coach that they have is bringing a little bit of energy. So I will be interested to see where he lands. I would be surprised if it's Oklahoma State, frankly. That seems almost too good to be true, um, especially if he's not going to come in and start. But who knows, man? I mean, you saw, like, I mean, last year there's there were multiple transfers um, to to schools where there was already an established quarterback. Like, so it just didn't make a ton of sense. So maybe, maybe that's a little bit more of that. So brings in some more competition, you know, always good to light a fire under Spencer Sanders. Yeah. You know, he's super competitive. So bringing in somebody like that, maybe even elevates his play. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't want to be in that quarterback room. Little tense, I would think. <laughs> so Kate, I, I'm done. I'm done with my transfer portal on recruiting. <laughs> I know I normally just am long with it and go forever, but I'm done. No, that was fun. I It gets me excited for football. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Um, it's going to be a blast. But Dustin, before we move on, I do want to uh, say a quick thank you, obviously, to our sponsor, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. He's the fourth generation in his family to graduate with o- from Oklahoma State and loves working with fellow alumni, as always. Price still uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy that is tailored to your unique goals so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. And you can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. And that's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Thank you, Price. Appreciate your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Dustin, since we talked last week, the basketball news has exploded. There's so much happening. I mean, we we did and you called did, it. We did talk about Musa Sise coming back, so we knew that last week. What we didn't know is what South Carolina was going to do with their head coach opening. Didn't know what Caleb Boone was going to do. Didn't know about Keelan Boone. So, I mean, let's just start with the biggest one to me, and I think probably to you, that the two schools that were probably of of greatest concern to make a move towards Mike Boynton in South Carolina and LSU have hired coaches. What is your reaction to that? I think we talked about it. Neither of us seemed very concerned that Mike Boynton was going to leave, not only with the buyout, just having to, at LSU, it would have been having to deal with the sanctions. At South Carolina, it's basically having to start over, even though it's his alma mater at a school that hasn't had much success as of late, which is why they got rid of Frank Martin. But, oh, and I did see Frank Martin bald on the, because he was on the halftime shows. Hey, some of the thank games. you for bringing that up. What was your thoughts? He, he kind of looks like Lex Luthor. He's, he looks like Rex Batman, Chapman a bat, is what he looks like. 
He looks like a villain <laughs> from Superman. Well, so but, I uh, said last week that he just shaved his head. I read into this. It sounded like he lost his hair after having COVID. So I uh-huh. read into it before I talked about it because I didn't want to put my foot in my mouth. Um, and I missed an article. Apparently, he when he had COVID, he, all of his hair like started to fall out, and he just said, "I'm I'm I'm shaving it." Isn't that wow. wild? Right. Well, I mean, I feel bad for him that happened, but yes, it, it, was, it is jarring. It's a wild. It, he look. looks like a different person. Yeah, because his hair was kind of a not a funky haircut, but like that. <laughs> it was like a military kind of yeah. intense style. It's like that gray, salt and pepper color, and yeah, now he's just bald. Yeah, he, he rocks it. He looks good. I just I didn't know the backstory. I I was so shocked by just a straight up bald Frank Martin. I knew there had to be something going on, but I, I didn't find it until my brother finally told me. <laughs> yeah, sorry to take us off on that tangent. So but shout out again to Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Cameron and Joel for uh, running the podcast. Yes, no kidding. But yes, they hire uh, Lamont Paris from Chattanooga, I believe. And yeah, then LSU right. hired Murray State's Mac Man, which... I think it's a great hire for them. I'm actually surprised they were able to get him. I am too. He's a good coach. I think he's only in his mid forties and they signed him to a long-term deal. And I believe, I think it's like seven years and it extends depending on the sanctions or something like that. So they look all my buddies in Baton Rouge are pretty pumped about that. So we'll see if he can recruit. I know he's gotten, I believe he was there with John Morant, but I know John was kind of an under the radar guy. So We'll see if he can recruit at LSU, but that's a that's a different topic. But I don't think I don't think you and I were super surprised. Boynton didn't land in any of these spots for for the reasons I said. But I don't, I don't know how did how did you feel? It, it almost I was like, eh, it's yeah. news, but I didn't say same, same way. It really never concerned me. I just I didn't think now was the time for South Carolina. And I, I think they made an underwhelming hire. That's It's a little interesting about what they've got going on there. Um, and then LSU, I, I'm with you. I can't believe they were able to get uh, Murray State's head coach. He's a, a great coach and just kind of went on a run in the NCAA tournament. And he's walking into a mess. I mean, an absolute mess. So I, it's interesting. It's interesting to say the least. But there's other stuff going on as well. I mean, what I do want to talk about before Anthony Black, I know there's there's other things, but I want to I want to order this in the order that our listeners are are neurotically like tapping their fingers and they're like, are they going to talk about Anthony Black? Yes, <laughs> we are. But first, Keelan Boone, he's out of here, right? Gone. Not yeah, shocking I, either. I don't think. I think you were the one that kind of called that on here. I don't know if it was some things you had heard, or if you were just making an assumption, but we thought maybe both Boone twins were going to be gone. Keelan's gone. Caleb announced today he's staying. And so I'm not surprised Keelan's leaving. You know, his thing was three-point shooting. I think he only ended the season around like 32 33%. You know, we talked about his team defense, how it kind of stood out that he was in the wrong spot a lot. On one of the film rooms on OSU Max, I'm mentioning OSU Max again, I think it's Boynton and Rondell Walker. And he literally says in one of the clips – I had to go back and watch this one a couple of times because Keelan had me confused on if we were in man or zone. Oh, God. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I don't want to take shots at him after he's leaving, but I, I don't think it's a huge loss, Keelan Boone being gone. They do need some shooters. They do need to bring in some shooters for next year. But I'm glad, and I know you are too, because we're big Caleb Boone guys. I'm glad he's coming back, and I hope that 
He's able to correct what, whatever at the beginning of the season was causing him not to play. And I think him, Tyreek, and Musa, that's one of the best down low presents, I think, in the Big 12 next oh, year. Oh, golly. No kidding. And so the thing about Keelan, like, there wasn't one thing he did consistently well. He protected the rim well at times, but he was typically out of position and using his length to his advantage and, and usually was making a block from the side or from behind. So again, it was out of position using his length. Um, I don't think it's a tremendous loss. I think Caleb Boonstang is a big story. I mean, as you just said, that gives Oklahoma State, I, I think, one of the best um, you know, front courts in, in, in all of the Big 12 and therefore the country. So that's going to be really good. The question that I have is who do they replace Keelan Boone with? They need shooters. Aiden Shaw recently just decommitted from Mizzou. Seems almost like a, a Keelan Boone 2.0 that does some of the things that Keelan didn't do all that well better. Seems more athletic, is a better shooter. Um, and is a he can handle the ball freak, actually pretty well too. Great ball handler and just a freak athlete. I mean, freak athlete can jump out of the gym. And so decommitted from Mizzou is back on the market. Oklahoma State was in on him late. That will be something to keep an eye on. Um, I also think they're going to hit the transfer portal hard. There are going to be more roster moves. I I do not think this is it. Um, I think there are more coming, and it will be interesting to see what space they have. I don't think it's also a foregone conclusion that Mike Boynton is going to use 12 scholarships. There are a lot of people assuming that that's the case, that they will take one reduced this year. I do not think that that is a foregone conclusion. I think they are going to find as many guys that want to come to Oklahoma state and they will figure out the scholarship thing later down the road. I mentioned this on a podcast recently that Georgia tech just appealed an appeal and got their scholarship, uh, you know, penalty reduced. So Oklahoma State might fight this, and I don't know if I don't know if they will, but I think it would be silly to 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 lay down and take a scholarship reduction now. I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, I agree. And like you mentioned, there's guys in the transfer portal who can shoot. You've got your Bryce Lindsey decommitting from South Carolina. You mentioned Aiden Shaw. These are two guys that Oklahoma State was in on high school recruiting. You've got you've got Jalen Bridges from West Virginia. I know he, I think he only shot like 33% from three point range last season, but I believe he's a 36% career three point shooter on a little over three attempts a game in his two seasons. If you look at both of them combined, you know, they're there. They reached out to him. You've got these guys decommitting who they've been in on. You've got your Anthony black, you know, there's who else do we talk about? Jalen Llewellyn from Princeton. They've got, uh, who was the guy we talked about off right before on the podcast? Now I can't remember um, his name. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> we'll come back to him. But to your point, they're going, they're going to be going after some shooters. They're already reaching out to guys, and they've got these guys who they were. Oh, you're talking about Justin Hill. In high school. Justin Hill. Yes, Justin Hill from Longwood, the Lancers. Yes, another another guard. So we'll see, kind of what happens. But I know a lot of people are in on a lot of these names that we're talking about. A lot of schools are in on them. But Oklahoma State is going to get somebody, and it's probably going to be somebody that can shoot the basketball, whether that's more of a point guard type or more of a Keelan Boone size guy. They're going to get somebody to replace this spot. Yeah, they're going to, and I think they're going to revamp the offense. I think it's going to look different. I think you're going to get Avery Anderson off the ball, which I think has to happen if this team is going to be better next season. So, uh, 
it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I am buckling up for chaos, though. Um, I don't I don't think Avery's going to leave. I don't think Rondell is going to leave. I know those have been two names that have been um, kind of you know nervously discussed, but anything can happen at this point. And tampering is afoot, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's, let's talk about it. it. Let's talk about it. I was trying so to get. Did we in- call the date? We did. One day off. We we were one day off. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence. So nice, nice job on your part, looking at the McDonald's All-American date and saying, mm, that's the one. Nice job on your part. <laughs> I was trying to get NSYNC's Bye 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 queued up for a very specific reason, because I don't feel good about this with Anthony Black. Do yeah, you? So, so he announced that he's going to make a decision on March 28th uh, at the McDonald's All-American game. I believe the game's going to be played the next day. I could be wrong on that. His top schools from what all we've heard are Arkansas, Gonzaga, Oklahoma state, TCU, and then the G league is still a factor. He's the six, seven point guard, combo guard, do it all. He'd been compared to Cade Cunningham from Duncanville high school in Texas, number 22 player in the 2022 class. I don't think he's coming to Oklahoma state. I think it's going to be Gonzaga or Arkansas and I'm leaning Gonzaga. Where do, what, I know you just said yep. you don't think either. Where do you think he ends up? I, I, I co-signed with you. Um, it's disappointing. I know Oklahoma State was in on him for a while. It feels like the original, like, Bryce Thompson recruitment the first time. That's what this felt like for the the entire time you thought he was coming here. And then as things got closer and closer, it started to – you started to hear some things, started to see some things, even, you know, crystal balls changing. Um, when that happens and then a commitment, you know, date comes out – you really don't feel very good about it. Um, here's what I'll say, though. I'm going to hit you with the spin zone. Does Anthony Black, as a true freshman, as the number 22 player in the country, which is not uh, – is it's not a knock on him, but that is not a Cade Cunningham player coming in. That is not Cade Cunningham coming in. Does he or a guy with two years of experience in D1 as a starter, which one gives you the best chance to win next year? Well, I don't think Anthony Black's coming here, so I'm definitely going to say that. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, Kate, I I get your point. I I do think them getting a talented scorer that can shoot the three really well to come in next year, and then maybe a another like so maybe it's two that come in, but then just an experienced point guard doesn't have to be the best point guard ever, but just somebody who can run the point and a big-time shooter coming in, both from the transfer portal, I think that gives you a way better chance next year to win than an Anthony Black coming in. And not saying Anthony Black, Anthony Black will probably have an amazing year for Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. They'll probably go to the Final Four. But I do agree with your point. I think I think getting some experienced guys in with Bryce Thompson, with Musa Cisse, because these guys, Thompson and Cisse, are probably only here for one more year. You know, I've seen some some mock draft stuff that has Thompson involved in the second round. So, you know, these, they need some experienced shooters. They need a point guard. They need these guys to come in for the talent they have on the roster right now. And you're right. I think if you're looking at just next year, I don't know if Anthony black is the guy that brings you to your ceiling compared to two transfers coming in. Yeah. And, and it is a little sour grapes because we never said this before. Yes. But, but it is true. I mean, if you were to if you were able to go find an Isaiah Brockington type of player, 
I would feel better about this roster next year versus an Anthony Black starting point guard. I'm, I'm not saying he won't have a great year. He's absolutely going to. I think Gonzaga – I have KU winning the national championship, but if I could go back, I would pick Gonzaga this year. And if Anthony Black goes there, they're going to win it again next year. Uh, they've got something really good rolling there, and you can't blame him. I mean, he's going to go somewhere that uh, appears to – Oh, I'll blame him. him help him reach his goals a little bit faster and how he wants to. But um, yeah, I think Oklahoma state's going to be just fine. Yeah, I do too. I I'm very excited. We'll probably, especially since we've done this big spring football preview here and, you know, we'll have news here and there on that, but until we get some transfers or some big football news, we'll probably be talking a lot of basketball transfer. More yeah. Coming up. One, one other, you know, just, just sidebar. It, does this help Mike Boynton? Like, is this a little bit of a blessing in disguise? Like, I, I again, I really think the transfer portal is how you win now. If you're not going to get a Cade Cunningham, you have to go hit the transfer portal and you have to get top tier talent out of the transfer portal. Yeah, hate him, but Tanner Groves was OU's best player this year, and they pulled him out of the transfer portal. If you were able to go get Iowa high- State's whole team, like yes, you just mentioned. Yes, if you're able to go get somebody like that, Texas. it changes your it changes your team like now. And if you're not getting a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley, like you're not having the same conversation. So um anyway. I'm, I'm not too worried. No, it's a great point. I love it. I love so, it. I, I think transfer portal think changes was, everything. So, yeah, I think that was a great way to kind of wrap that up and solid points by you. You always kill it with the transfer portal basketball news. So oh, don't, don't let me get that, uh, talking about portals. Cause I will talk <laughs> about it. Um, so can, yeah, go ahead. Do you want, I was going to say, I know I, I may, when we, when we were kind of talking through the agenda, I may have kind of put it in a weird order when we were looking at it, but do you want to just stay on basketball and flip it to the women's side? Why don't, why don't we, why don't we? Because there's news and, and I'm going to get this right. I said, I was going to say it wrong. <laughs> JC Hoyt is the Perfect. new Oklahoma state women's basketball coach from where Dustin from the alma mater of our very own Cade Webb, <laughs> UMKC, right. the ruse, that's, baby. That's right. Rue up, baby. Rue up the pipeline <laughs> now, from Kansas city to Stillwater is strong. I, I love it. And yeah, she's probably the second most famous person to be uh, UMKC <laughs> and then to Stillwater but, but yeah. behind you. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not a I bad think, spot to be in. I think it's a good hire. I, I know some people may maybe a little who's that because there were some bigger names being thrown out there. We got the question from uh, Ross Lawyer on the podcast about some of those names. We talked about the ones that we had heard, but I think she's going to be great. She came in wearing the orange blazer right off the bat. There's a ton. Also, there's a ton of video out there. If you want to get to know her at all, she was on the orange power podcast with Jessica Mori. Oklahoma state athletics. YouTube has her full presser up there. OSU max. I think is like two or three videos of her meeting the team, but she was an assistant at K state was the head coach at UMKC was like one of the winningest coaches there. Took them to the tournament. She won the 2020, uh, WAC coach of the year. And then they moved to the summit league lost in the NIT, I believe this year I watched actually part of that game. It's still on ESPN plus. If you want to watch some of her team from last year, now I can't, now it's like escaping me who they played, but they lost the game. They actually lost pretty big, but I think it was Northern Iowa. But anyway, she, she's awesome. She seems great in her interviews. 
I know she had, I found it interesting. She mentioned this in one of the videos. She was at K-State when Chad Weiberg, the OSU athletic oh, director, interesting. was at K-State. They didn't really know each other very well, but obviously knew of each other because she was on the coaching staff there. But I think it's great, Kay. What what was your what was your kind of take on it after looking into her resume? Well, I I think it reminded me of a very similar hire in that exact same arena. It reminds me of the Mike Boynton hire. Um, you go get a young up and coming coach, maybe not even up and coming yet, but I mean, she's she's done some stuff at at UMKC and appears to be. Um, like young enough to re- relate to this generation of, of student athlete, things have changed dramatically. She's 34. Is that? Yeah, I think that's right. Correct. Yeah. Um, she's very young. So um, I think it's a great fit for the, the, t- the time we're in, in college athletics. She also seems to be a great fit for Stillwater. Just the way she talks, the things she says. Um, I, I would think that she's probably, a little nervous. <laughs> I would, I have been Dustin. I have played basketball on the gym at UMKC that the UMKC women's team plays on. It is the recreation center at UMKC. That is where they play those games. So going from the Swinney recreation center to Gallagher, Gallagher Ivor <laughs> arena, I've been to both. I've spent a lot of time in both. I can imagine that that would be a little bit um, eye opening. So I think she's going to do a great job going to bring some energy to the program and again it reminds me of mike boynton coming in where everybody does a little bit of who and then she wins some games he wins some games and then off and running so yeah i think it's it's awesome that you mentioned coach boynton because she said she actually reached out to him when she was offered the job but hadn't yet taken it just to kind of get his take yeah on stillwater being an outsider coming in and coaching basketball and after she talked to him, she ended up taking the job. So I'm sure. So he said good things. Well, we know Coach Point can recruit. So I didn't, I mean, yeah, that's right. that was going to go well. Some inter- some other interesting things that I saw just for, I watched the first half of that game just to, to get kind of a sense of her. And then listening to her talk, she preaches energy, tempo, and aggressiveness on defense. And I saw that in that one half of basketball I watched. A lot of, a lot of fast. They want to get out on the fast break. They want to push the ball. Their guards attack even before everybody's back down the court. A lot of good guard play. Uh, Naomi Alanis, who I think has a year of eligibility left from UMKC, averaged like 17 points a game, their point guard. If they could get her to transfer over, that would be great because they've already lost a couple people from this team that have transferred out after Littell lost, but left. But she also used the same starting lineup the entire season. I thought that was wild. That's and rare. Her, her starters averaged 30 plus minutes a game. And I looked and it looks like her rotation was only seven players. <laughs> That's wild. Season. That's yeah, wild. Look into the stats. So she's very active on the sideline too. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I said she preaches energy. So that was cool, but we'll, we'll see if she can get some of these girls to transfer that have a year of eligibility left. I believe five of the seven girls that played those big time minutes that I was talking about look like they have some eligibility left. So that would be cool to get them to transfer over. Yeah. Just to kind of have some familiarity there. But I think, I think it's awesome. She seems, she seems really cool. She introduced to her team in the video. I saw she introduced her husband. She introduced her sister. Her mom is like one of the winningest high school basketball coaches in Kansas basketball history. And then she played at Wichita state. So she's a, a basketball junkie. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 
I'm trying to figure out where she uh, went to school in Kansas. Um, but anyway, yeah, she uh, she started coaching at Fort Hayes, uh, obviously then coached at um, – oh, she's from Hoxie. That's amazing. I'm also from Kansas, if you guys didn't know that. So this is uh, this is cool. She's she's kind of from my neck of the woods. So anyway, I think it's a good hire. I think it makes sense. Um, and again, you're following a familiar blueprint here, so I hope it works out similarly. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a great hire and I'm, I loved, uh, I loved the orange, the orange blazer, the orange suit. So that was great. Well, Dustin, before we move on to baseball and then listener questions, I want to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code feels 12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, we said last week that the Cowboys had to have a sweep over Seton Hall, and they got it. Had to have it. Big time. Yes. Man, I feel bad for Seton Hall. <laughs> So I was able to watch all four of those games, not live, but with ESPN plus you go back and watch the replay. And then they actually, I found this out the other day, the okstate.com watch where they have some of the games when they're not on ESPN plus, they actually have an on-demand section. So you can go back and watch the game. So just so you guys I, know, we are not sponsored by any of these services, but no, we, we I need to quit be. mentioning them. Yeah. I need to bleep all these out. Uh, but they get the sweep. But what I was saying, I feel bad for Seton Hall. They only have the one win. They have the fifth hardest strength of schedule in the entire oh my country. Goodness. They've just been playing these teams that are awesome, and they've just been giving up a ton of runs. So Oklahoma State beat them 10-3, to 11-1, 8-4, to 6-4. to four. The bats were alive. They're alive again to, tonight. They're they they are. To one they are. On ORU. <laughs> so uh, some of our guys that we really wanted to turn it around, are Nolan McLean's been picking it up. Marcus Brown's been picking it up. Riggio, which he's missed a few games in a row. Uh, from what Dave Hunsdiker said on one of the calls of the games, he's sick. So he was in the lineup tonight against ORU, and then he didn't end up starting. So he's sick. But Atkinson's getting the back going. He had a homer tonight. Doherty, so the guys we talked about, the catchers who hadn't been hitting, they're both starting to hit. And then we talked about this with our guy Aaron Fit. OSU's fourth in fielding percentage. I looked this up also. They're 16th in whip. So their pitching staff. So even though we've seen some of these guys give up some runs, they they are very efficient on the mound. You know, your Campbell, your Medeiros, your Osmond, your Stone. Those are your four starters. Marsh and Davis have looked great. My guy, fan soccer from Heritage Hall, he's been awesome. Trevor Martin, you know, I, I don't know what else we can say about him. Right. They've just been, they've just been crushing it lately. But Kate, is it? Are we getting too hyped because it was against Seton Hall? I, I think – no, I, I think it's an appropriate reaction. Or the bats going. 
Yeah, well, I, I think it's an appropriate reaction to, to the uh, caliber of opponent and the situation. Oklahoma State had to have a sweep. They had to win those four games because things were a little underwhelming. I think we talked about that um, with Aaron last two weeks ago about this. Um, so they had to have that. Now they've got it going against ORU. They're going to have Kansas coming up. This was the stretch we talked about. This was a get right stretch. So no, we are not overreacting. We're not ready to hang a banner yet. Uh, we're not uh, getting the parade committee set up, but it is a good time to have won these games. And it's, it's probably the mark of a team coming together a little bit. Um, it was a tough opening stretch, a really tough opening stretch. And um, things probably didn't go the way they wanted it to. You get Griffin Dorshing back against Kansas is, is, is the hope and kind of the, the expectation that changes a lot. Um, so bats need to stay this way and they need to build some momentum and some confidence because when you start playing against the Texas techs of the world and the Texas of the world, you can be on the other end of a sweep very easily. So this needs to continue. Yeah, that's a great point. They start, they start big 12 playoff with Kansas this weekend at home. Kansas is not great. They should, I think they should get a sweep there. If they drop one, I don't think it's a big deal, but you want to win that series. Then they get OU at one Oak field in Tulsa on Tuesday. And then they go up against Kansas state. I think they should be able to go on a little winning streak here in the Big 12 play to start it off. It would be great to see. I, I did want to mention K2. Sorry, I just I'm throwing whip out there. I know some people don't pay a ton of attention to baseball. Basically, that's one of the main stats for pitchers. It's kind of shows how well I guess they keep the runners off base, like off the bases. Right. Uh it's the sum of walks and hits divided by the Oklahoma State's 16th in the nation in that, which is pretty amazing. But I thought it was a great point that you just made. You got you to gotta start off strong in Big 12 play when you're going up against some of these lower caliber teams. I think they will. I know OU is like 37th in RPI, so they're, they're actually pretty good. But Kansas is 122nd, should be able to sweep them. Pitching staff has been going. If these bats can keep going, you get Huey Morrill back. You talked about Dorshin coming back from injury. Huey came back for the Seton Hall series, gets a bunch of hits. He's a guy that if he can bat, 260 270 which we yeah. saw him do two seasons ago he steals bases right he steal, he's steals he's a large man like to five. be stealing bases so he's already stolen like five bases since he's been back so you get Huey back you get Griffin Dorshin back I think this the bats start going the pitching has been going the bats start going this team's going to be dangerous in big 12 play well I mean Dustin I'm just looking ahead at the schedule here they they Okay, they've got Kansas coming up for a weekend series at home. It, that's another see, uh, series that you you want to win it, but you really probably want to win all three of those at home. By the way, can I interest you in a weekend forecast of 72, 72, and 81 at O'Brate Stadium? <laughs> uh, sign me I up. I love that. I think I'm going to try to go on Friday. Yeah, that'll be great. Then you've got Oklahoma, a three-game stand at Kansas State, at Wichita State, three games at home against Oklahoma, one game at home against Wichita State, three on the road at West Virginia. Like, where is a surefire loss in that stretch? Like, or at least one that you're like, I could see they're they're gonna slip up, they're gonna lose one of those. But I'm just saying the schedule is now uh giving them a little time to breathe. Yeah, Kansas State and West Virginia, I think they're close to like 80, 90. They're like bad. Close to 100 in RPI. They're not great. So you got OU who can play the game, but 
to your point, you should be able to beat these teams. You should be able to win all these series coming up. And I think you, you need to because you need to rack up some wins after having some early season losses. Right. Heading, heading into tournament play, and you want to be able to host a super, host a regional. The, the good thing about it is, and I know home field advantage in baseball is, is not, not as big of a deal, but you have then a three-game series against TCU, a three-game series at Texas, and a three-game series against T- or Texas Tech at home. So two of your toughest three series this year are at home. So, again, the schedule is now lining up favorably. You hope that what they've done, they can take it uh, a little bit further and, and sustain this. Yeah, I agree. And, and if, if, to sustain it, if the bullpen can keep pitching well with Davis, oh, yeah. Fensalker, Ur, Bogus, if those guys can pitch like they have been, it's going to be great. And right after we talk to Aaron Fit, we get to see our guy McLean pitch the Seton Hall series. <laughs> Hopefully he gets to pitch a little bit more too, but you'd love to see him just keep the back going. So. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, I think that's all I had on baseball. Um, yeah. Want to move to softball? Yeah. And Cade, we can probably, so we were, we talked about the North Texas game because that was right after we, on the podcast, it finished. So we were able to hit on that. So really UT Arlington, which wasn't televised. And then there were only two of the next four games that were televised. So I only got to watch the two. So we may, we can kind of breeze through softball for this week since not a lot of them were on TV, but they beat North Texas four to two. They lose a bad one. Kenny G on his radio show called this game simply one word gross to UT Arlington <laughs> one to three. They just couldn't get the bats going. Then they rock, they rattle off four wins in a row, uh, all against Wichita State and UMKC. Uh, and a lot of them were dominant. Eight, I was zero, getting nine, trolled, zero. by the way. I am not a <laughs> – I attended UMKC, all right? And I was writing about Oklahoma State while I went there. So let's just get that out there. <laughs> the eight to two and then ten to two, a lot of those were run rules. We got a Miranda Ellis no-hitter. Okay, Bree Evans, true freshman, second baseman. It's over now, but she went on an 11-game hitting streak. After yeah. missing a little bit of time due to injury, that is amazing. Yeah, I, I think people would refer to that as as pretty good. Um, I, I'm excited. I mean, it, it it's a tough loss against UT Arlington, but they have rattled off kind of the series that we were hoping or the stretch that the baseball team is is about to rattle off. They have done that, so I've righted the ship. Hopefully, things continue the way they have been. Um, I mean, they've got they've got the roster to do it. Yeah, and pretty much all the bats are going now. Sid. Factor, Cottrell, Chelsea Alexander, Carwile, Evans, Ellish, Tuck, and Hobson. All 22 or more at bats. They're all batting above 300. And then Naomi and Busby, who had been struggling, are starting to get hits. And Busby's starting to bash them out of the park. So you got that going. You got Miranda Ellish winning Big 12 Pitcher of the Week again. You had Morgan Day struggle in one of the games and then come back strong. I, I think – I'm still keeping with my prediction that I think this team still has a chance to win it all. You've got teams like OU run ruling every single team they play. So, like ranked you know, Kentucky, like good yeah, teams. May, maybe that's too much of a bold prediction, but I, I think this Cowgirl team is not one to be messed with when they've got Kelly Maxwell and Miranda Ellis pitching like they have been, and they've got someone like Morgan Day who can come in and clean things up. And the bats, they're just going now. Yeah, I think you're right. Cowgirls ranked at number 10 nationally. Um, also, Oklahoma State baseball was number 10 in D1 baseball's latest poll. So uh, interesting there. But 
I mean, still the spring is looking good in, in Stillwater. So uh, definitely get out to, to Stillwater for a weekend. I think tomorrow actually is a cool little event that they're having. Again, we're not getting paid to say this. I'm just going to, I thought it was pretty cool. A corral on campus uh, for a tailgate before a weekend full of home games um, from 11 a.m. to one o'clock. Uh, so that looks like that looks like a lot of fun. I know this weekend should be a blast uh, in that little intersection between uh, O'Brate and uh, Cowgirl Softball Stadium. Oh, so. that's awesome! I didn't even know that. Thanks. For yeah, that. looks like fun. So cool. I that's think we I got listener questions. Yes, we do. Uh, I will hit those now. So thanks to everybody for sending these in. We also have the one. Okay, did you want to do the audio question? Yeah, first? I was stalling because okay. I'm I'm trying to <laughs> I'm operating my phone for the first time ever and I'm trying to get this pulled up. But Ryan <laughs> Winkle, a, a friend of the pod, a frequent question submitter, has another one for us. Uh, and here it is. Hey guys, Ryan here. The enthusiasm in your voice last week when you talked about me submitting a voice question. Uh, just made me want to submit a question every single week to bring you more and more joy. So that's my goal. Um, I was curious who you guys think is going to win the backup quarterback job for this season and how that all is going to play out. Um, As always, go Pokes. Ryan, I appreciate the question, and uh, it does bring me joy. This is real joy. So thank you for that. Continue to do it. Um, You know, does I, I... we answered that. I, I think that I feel pretty good in saying that if it's not a transfer, it's Gunnar Gundy. Yeah, I agree. And Ryan, thanks so much for the question. I Sorry, I guess I wasn't as enthusiastic last time, but <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, he did. He did so say much. thank you to me and not you specifically. So yeah. So uh, Ryan, suck. I'll try again. Thank you so much for sending that in. And if you disrespect me like that again, then I'm, I'm just never going to, I'm never going to answer your question. No, Ryan, you, Ryan, you really disrespected him. You disrespect me. <laughs> no, I'm a little godfather on us there. We, we already, yeah, I like that impersonation. We already, uh, we already hit on this, but great question. And I think, I think I'm where you're at. I think yeah. it's going to be, I think it's going to be Gunner Gundy, even if a transfer comes in, unless it's someone like a JT Daniels that they don't even care if he really knows the plays. He just has enough talent to be able to go out there and sling it around. So, We'll see, but I, th- I think both those are great takes. Um, but yeah, love the love the audio questions. Really appreciate when you guys send those in. I know Kate obviously loves them more than me, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll I guess we'll go to Twitter now. All that told me is I gotta I gotta trim it down on the enthusiasm. <laughs> okay, so first up on Twitter, and thanks again, guys, for all these on Twitter. We love we love getting the questions, and it seems like we get like three or four each week, sometimes more. So. That's awesome. It makes us feel great. Um, maybe y'all are our only listeners, but, but if that's yeah. the case, that's fine. Yeah. So just love the um, engagement. Love, love that they're a part of it. <laughs> the first one is from our guy, Pistol Rick. If you're not following at Pistol Rick, he's hilarious. And the other thing about Pistol Rick is anytime something Oklahoma State happens, he's got a meme queued up. I know, dude. Instantly. I and was, I, I was talking to Fuller about this, friend of the pod. How does he have them so fast? I, it's like there was one other day where there was a voiceover of a coach with like, I, I don't know where people are doing this or what software they're using to make. It looks like it's so easy, but I know it's not. So shout out to him. And, and before we get into this, Dustin, I just want to point something out that we did not advance to the elite eight 
of the Oak State Probs uh, Twitter account brackets. We did, thank God, beat Jeff Swain, which that would have that would have been a disaster. But we lost to Pistol Peter. So our Pistol Rick and Pistol Peter, it's a similar account. I think there's some, I think there's some shenanigans going on there. I've I've yeah. actually filed a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> both those guys are hilarious tough they loss, are but they are i'm glad it was to pistol peter because he's a funny guy he's yeah. also another good follow so we're just shouting everything out no <laughs> one's giving us anything back but i know uh, i know pockets pistol empty rick, <laughs> yeah pistol rick says when is an appropriate time to start the gordon for heisman campaign he's obviously talking about ollie gordon i i'm fine starting it now and I, yeah pistol rick wants to start it and put our faces on something in a meme we're down Oh, don't say that because <laughs> it'll happen. Actually, that would be pretty good. I'm I'm down for that. Just just DM it to us so we can see it first. Yeah, we Kate and I both talked about it already. We both think Ollie Gordon's going to get carries this season. Uh, I think Kate even thinks there's a potential he turns into one of the top guys. I think he for sure gets carries, maybe significant carries by the end of the season, especially with all the injuries you see at running back. So, Kay, don't want to speak for you, but are those kind of your thoughts? Oh, there? yeah, we, we covered it. That's exactly where I'm at. I think I'm kind of cooling on the idea of, of him starting day one. I just I don't think I see that. Um, but I could definitely see a situation where he's getting running back one number of carries. Maybe he didn't right. start the last game, but he's getting those carries. Um, so, I mean, we've seen we saw that with Justice Hill and Shuba Hubbard. So, Ollie yeah. Gordon, come on. Pistol Rick, thanks for the question. I think he's still in the the tournament in the final four. So yeah, he is. Go, Rick. You go go vote for Pistol Rick. Uh, next we have Evan Farbach. Uh, he's asked a question on here before. His his handles at Evan Farbach. He says I've had trouble keeping track. Are there still guys we can get in the football portal that will be impact guys for the fall? When could we expect them to commit? Seems like we've had significantly less news on that front versus other Big Twelve schools. Is that accurate? <laughs> Evan, you're you're right. We haven't we haven't had a lot of transfer news of guys coming in. We've had guys coming out. I think there's still impact guys that could come in and play a role this fall. And when they would come in would be the summer. They're going to take visits now in the spring. So, like I talked about, Prince Pines, he just scheduled on to Mississippi State. I think maybe he's going to be visiting Oklahoma State soon. We mentioned that there's rumors of some guys on the offensive line coming to visit soon. So that's that answers that part of the question, but. I think, and Cade, let me know your thoughts. If they get a tenured offensive lineman, I think that person could come in and contribute next year because if Oklahoma State keeps the same scheme, that zone scheme that we've seen, that inside zone scheme, it's not easy to learn, but if you've got good technique and you've run it at your school, you could come in and maybe not be a starter, but be a swing guy like we talked about at a guard spot or something. Yeah, I, dude, you nailed it. I, that's exactly where I'm at. I think I think Prince Pines is the name that immediately jumps out at me um, because again, if you're looking at quarterback like we've discussed, I don't have a name for you. Um, if you're looking at anywhere other than interior offensive line, I don't really have a name for you. I, I think Prince Pines is is the one that I'm like, okay, I can talk myself into that being the possibility. And if they get it in the summer at offensive line, I, I think that they could, like I said, yeah, know, play an impact. Other positions that may be difficult, may, maybe you see a guy come in that's a four-year cornerback that's coming in for one year that gets in the rotation, like we saw Christian Holmes do in his first season with the team. But other than that, to 
to Evan to answer your question, I don't I don't think anybody except outside of offensive line I would expect to come in and do that. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Great question, Evan. Appreciate it. Uh, next we have so we got two more. Next we have GoPoke77 at OK State underscore fan12. He says OSU football is clearly in a good position slash trending up after the Fiesta Bowl win. So I have two questions. What does this year's team need to accomplish to keep the positive momentum going? Two, I know it's early, but do you guys think this team's final re- – what do you guys think this team's final record will be? Hmm. Great question. I think you have to go – I think it's got to be an eight-win season at least to keep the momentum going, to answer that original question. I think they're going to be back in Dallas. And a bowl win probably. And a bowl win, yeah. I think eight-win regular season – bowl win in a you know liberty bowl cheese it bowl type of situation but i think they're going to be back in dallas i i think they've got the pieces um i i my gut tells me that the defense is on i know i said that six to seven range but i think i think they're gonna be like like you know how you can order a steak like medium plus like that's how i feel like <laughs> i think they're gonna be on the six to seven plus side of things and and be better than they are not so um, I think they're back in Dallas. That's where I'm at. And I think probably the record I would go with is like a 10 and three type of season. Yeah. I think and I'm going to, I think three. I'm going to go around that 11, 11 win range. Yeah. And that's, that's spring football me talking right now. I know it's spring football you. So we're a yeah, little sure. bit hyped. We haven't really dug into all the other teams, what everybody else is bringing back. It's just from what we know from last season, when we obviously deep dove every single team in the big 12, but I think, Oklahoma State has a shot, like you said, to make it back. I think to answer the first question, to keep the momentum going, I almost think it has to be close to a 10-win season. I like where you're at with the eight, but I think you almost have to get to that double digit because then you see the Mike Gundy, another 10-win seat. That type of stuff kind of yeah, that's adds fair. to that. That's fair. But I, I do like where you're at with the nine, but I think you almost have to get to the double digits to keep that like full steam ahead. Oklahoma State's got a logo too momentum going okay i think you're right about that i say eight because like you just don't you don't know what you have in the defense i think it's going to be good but you don't know there are questions on the offensive line and those are two uh those are two big ones for me i think eight is more realistic i think if if i'm looking at ceiling i think i'd go with yeah like the 10 11 range so yeah i agree you know when we get close to the season i'm sure I'll probably get. Oh a little yeah. Negative, so. <laughs> well, and then it'll be the inverse. Like I went eight, I'll go twelve on on day one. So. <laughs> and the last question we have is from our guy Brian Metcalf uh, at Brian J Metcalf. He says, "Say we get Anthony Black on Monday." Oh, that's his the so he's talking about his commitment date with the Bixby kid. He's talking about Parker Fredrickson coming in in twenty three. How would you deal with the scholarship reduction? Obviously, the easiest answer is one per year. But could you see a scenario where we take two, kind of what you mentioned earlier? And then he also says, I think this is kind of a plug, April 9th, OSU rugby fundraiser slash game. Y'all should come out. Hey, I like it. Well, actually sounds pretty cool. We're open. We're open to sponsorship opportunities. So, I mean, (laughs) that sounds like a great time but I don't know anything about it. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about it. Um, what I will I'm gonna say, let you, Kate, I'm going to let you completely answer this one. Cause I know this is your wheelhouse right here. We talked about, we talked about Anthony black. Um, and we also talked about Parker Fredericks and Dustin read me the middle of that question. Again, as we talked about rugby, I, I lost it. Um, so he said, 
how would you deal with the scholarship yeah, yeah, yeah. production? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The scholarship production, I've kind of addressed it. I I would act like it doesn't exist for this upcoming season. You have so much talent on this roster right now. Um, it's now is about figuring out how to win and win a lot of games. I, I would act like it doesn't exist currently because there is a there's an end date to this. They, I think it's like the end of 2025, you have to have already given up five, three scholarships. I think it, it works that way. So you don't have to give up one per year or two per year or, or three all at once. Like you could give up zero this year, which I think is where they're going to go. They're not going to obviously just take anybody they can get, but if it's somebody that they want, they will go try to get them. And if, if they can, then the scholarship production is not going to be a factor. Um, I, I would recruit like it doesn't exist. And based on Mike Boynton's comments, that's what they're doing. Yeah, if you can land some of these people that we're talking about, some of these transfers, you could you could make a little run next year. I mean, the I know, team that's wasn't what I'm bad saying. this year. They finished 8-10 and 10 in Big 12 play. Dude, Iowa State is in the Sweet 16 right now, and they're playing a 10 seed. They're about to be in the Elite 8. And they, they yeah, were – they were – almost dead to water. So all it takes is a little spark. You just got to get in the tournament. I think Oklahoma state will be there. Um, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's like, look at Iowa state, like Oklahoma state can be that. No, I completely, I completely agree hundred percent. And, and Kate, I think you, you answered that, per- that question perfectly. So yeah, appreciate it. I don't know if I did, but that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, I think that's all our questions. And I think, I think I'm out of gas. I, <laughs> Yeah, the the plane is wobbling as we land. That was our longest podcast we've ever done. Congratulations, Dustin. Uh, So I did want to preface it, Cade, by saying, I don't think I've mentioned this yet. I am out of town next week and I will not be on the podcast. So I did, you know, ask Cade if we could go hit everything. You emptied the chamber. (laughs) You emptied the chamber of two weeks worth of content. So great work there. Uh, no, Dustin, I enjoyed it as always. Yes, Dustin will not be on the podcast next week, so so don't be expecting him, but uh, we'll have fun anyway. So, um, Dustin, it's been a blast. Thank you for all that you do for the show. Uh, thank you for the agenda, obviously, but thank you for what you do on Twitter and keeping all of us informed. And thank you to our um, unbelievable listeners for sending in voice questions and Twitter questions as always. It's, it's a blast. I, I love that part of the show. And Dustin, we do tend to answer a lot of them during the show, but I at least love knowing that those exist and that people are, are getting what they want uh, out of us. So, um, Kate, I did want to shout out our guy, Ross Lawyer, asked us one in a DM. It was about the cowboy back position. So we did answer it already. I just wanted to shout him out. Oh, beautiful. That. Sorry, I beautiful. completely forgot. Didn't mean to no, I lo- no, I love it. I, I appreciate it and uh, appreciate Ross and, and all of our listeners and uh, encourage you guys to keep doing it. Maybe one of these days we'll, uh, we'll do a contest or something. So anyway, if you're not already, follow us at FeelsLike45Pod on Twitter. Follow Dustin at DustRagu and follow me at Cade Webb. Again, don't look for Dustin next week. He's out, but I will be here and we'll have fun anyway. So we'll talk to you next week. Go Pokes.